Free to Be show is sponsored by Replenish Me Membership. Show up powerfully. With monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions, you can replenish online and relieve your stress and resolve your issues. Whether you are trying to recharge your entire staff or just seeking a community of support. Empower yourself today with the Replenish Me membership. And now for tonight's show. Hello and welcome to the Free to Be show where I get to interview and have conversations with really inspiring people who have freed themselves to be themselves and bring their light to the world. Um, this evening, I bring to you an author of six, seven books. Um, his latest book just released um, in November, and he's received numerous awards, um, including the Nat Turner Book of the Year Award, and yes. I will ask him about that. <laughs> and he also, two of his books are bestsellers. And of course, the one that just came out will also be a bestseller. So I want to welcome to the show. And I didn't um, actually ask the pronunciation of your middle name. So please forgive me if I mispronounce. But um, oh, that's okay. tonight, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Frank Zarquan Jordan. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Zakwan. You hit it dead on the nail. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to come on. Um, and I'm really intrigued because specifically, you know, like a lot of people are writing books, but not in your genre. And um, so you're, you're a historian. Yes. So tell me, how did you um, happen upon this whole um history writing book endeavor i really am intrigued because you know i told you briefly that i couldn't wait to graduate from high school to actually learn world history right <laughs> so, right right we had this conversation yeah i'd like to know more about your your journey with that um i you want to know something growing up in brooklyn um i i i i always was you know just inquisitive uh, as far as why weren't there any, you know, black libraries or why weren't there any libraries, period, in my neighborhood growing up in Brooklyn. And that's something that doesn't really get talked about or that's an issue or a conversation that, you know, didn't get discussed, you know, back in the um, 70s, you know, uh, back in the 70s and 80s. So it always kind of piqued my curiosity, you know, why I had to walk uh, maybe two or three miles you know, up to, uh, you know, Brooklyn Heights, you know, um, and actually go to a library and the library wasn't in my neighborhood. But um, that was one of the things, yeah, that, you know, pretty much piqued my curiosity. I've always been a history nerd, you know, always been a history nerd, always been, you know, just curious, you know, about history in itself, um, other than what's taught to us, you know, in schools, you know, as far as what, you know, role that black people play in history. Um, I, you know, it, it, you know, it, it can't be that we're just slaves in America. You know, we were brought over here as slaves, 
you know, from the 16 to the 1800s, and that's just it, you know. So uh, we're going to get into a little bit more. I don't want to uh, pretty much take up the whole conversation, yeah. but um, I'll explain it as we go on. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So would you say you freed yourself, or it was, uh, in your case, a journey of freeing your mind from what was expected and accepted? Um, it was just expected that there's uh, no library in your neighborhood, therefore you have to accept the fact that there's no library, um, but you, you, you chose to free yourself from that expectation, right. would you say? Right, ab ab right, absolutely. Finding the truth and actually um, honing in on our people um, and what they have done and what they have contributed to the society and the greatness, okay, of Blacks, you know, that was hidden. Um, blew my mind, you know, blew my mind. And, and to this day, you know, um, still, you know, finding out certain things uh, which was hid from us. Um, you know, one of the things that really stoked me the most as a kid, um, and I know I may step on a couple of toes, is that, you know, uh, you know, around so-called Black History Month, of course, which we know I'm not going to, you know, insult your intelligence, you know, this is the shortest month of the year. And, and why they always, you know, just portray one person, and that's Martin Luther King. Um, you know, Martin was a great man, you know, for what he did. And at the time, you know, taking nothing away from Martin, you know, you would really think that that's it. Martin King followed the dream, you know, and that's it. But when you dig, when you go a little bit more and you, and you research a little bit more, and you know, you, you visit a library, you know, remember those things, you know, people who have forgotten books and what a library actually <laughs> smells like. <laughs> you know, I know, you, you, you like not on your Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly right. You know, you come to discover, in, in which I came to discover, you know, that, um, you know, it, 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 it's not my opinion. This is all factual based, you know, evidence that, you know, you come into contact, you know, some of the greatest men on this planet were black men, you know, Socrates, Shakespeare, Aristotle, these are all black men, you know, that contributed a great deal, you know, to society. Um, this isn't taught to our kids in school. Um, you know, uh, for various reasons, you know, um, across the board. Uh, it isn't taught to our kids in school. They don't know things like this. They really don't know the greatness of us, you know, because if they did, that builds great self-esteem about them. You know, the carpenters, the goldsmiths, you know, lawyers, uh, the interpreters, the language interpreters, um, you know, the farmers, the engineers. And I'm quite sure that you know, according to what I know and according to what I've researched over 30 years, I'm quite sure that the Europeans, um, along with the French and along with the British um, and along with the Italian explorers, um, they knew this, you know, coming over to Southwest Africa when they traded us off, you know, um, just like cargo and they traded us off just like, you know, stock. You know, um, they knew this. You're not going to get it. I'm sorry for going on a rant. No, you know, I... I was just going to say, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, it's remarkable that you're bringing this up because um, actually one of the things I've found in my research is they um, had actually chosen specific areas of Africa because like in Angola, for example, they were known for their iron work. And in certain areas they were known um, like uh, where Benin and where um, Nigeria are in those areas they were known for their furniture work like woodworking so you know right. they knew they they knew where the artisans were in order to build this country 
right? Correct. Um, for, with free labor. So this is the thing that we're not taught, you know, but some of these things I've come to know just um, through homeschooling my kids and through doing our own uh, study of our family, right? So my great-great-grandfather, he actually is from the area where they were known for wood making this exquisite furniture. And that he actually had a shop on the plantation where he was. And, um, you know, so things like that. And, um, and then as far, I'm, I'm not like related to anyone from Angola, but I do have a friend who, when she did her ancestry, she found out that her people are from Angola and they were, you know, they were traded because of their iron skills. And so, you know, these are just the things that are extracted from history, but you have to free your mind to even um, consider the possibility that all the things that we have been taught are not true. And of course, you know, this is what has allowed institutionalized racism to persist, you know, because, right. you know, it's, it's almost like they, um, and they're, was it in 1737, there was like a German guy who actually came up with a whole philosophy of how to deconstruct the psyche of a people so that you can make them not only consumers, but you can actually um, like uh, rip them apart, uh, away from their culture and, and think that they're nothing and that they come from nothing. And when you right. make that part of someone's like upbringing, then you know you you have active participants in whatever it is you want to do to those people. So right, now you've got me on a rant. <laughs> hey, that's hey, listen, that's fine. I, hey, listen, I'm on your platform. That's hey, that's fine. I, 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 hey, that's good. That just gives me time to think about what I'm going to say next. That hey, that's excellent. <laughs> But listen, two words uh, come to mind, would you just say white supremacy, you know, um, and a lot of times what our people fail to do, they don't like having uncomfortable conversations. And that's where I come in. Surprise. That's where I come in. You know, the uncomfortable, <laughs> the uncomfortable conversations is what's needed amongst the black community because, you know, we look, listen, look, we, we, we downplay and we dumb ourselves down so much to a point in America where we are taught and we are just so used to not speaking up about certain things because we're ashamed. We feel that uh, it may cause hysteria. Ooh, you know, oh my goodness, don't don't say that. You know, don't I'll lose my you know, job say, or something right, like that. Right. Oh, yeah, people won't right, buy my, oh my products. God. Yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. Don't say that. It's because we've been conditioned, you know, we've been conditioned to actually be a servant and be service people to white America. I mean, it is what it is today in the United States. We dumb ourselves down and we submit ourselves to white America just to fit in, okay, with what they have put across our plate. Our people, it, it, it's sad to say, Cisco, do you? Our people are really ashamed to be naturally who they are. You know, because why? Because, you know, white America has spoon-fed us for so long and conditioned us for so long. We're afraid to be who we are. You know, well, we are. I, we're afraid. Like, I know, like, I'll just speak from a female perspective, right? Um, because we've mm -hmm. got, like, a triple whammy going on there, right? So we get it from, 
we get it from our own men, we get it from white women, and we get it from white men. And so we, you know, because, and in, in I, I almost think that it's an act of courage and just um, more of self-expression now that now that black women have decided to to be natural right you know like because a lot of times um i think part of the you know to what you're speaking about like the the programming within our black men right so there's two types of programming there's the self-hatred programming which they project onto their women and then there's the self-hatred which they cower down to white america right right and so then you know like for our black women they'll say oh you know you'd be prettier if your lips weren't so big or you'd be prettier bingo if you'd straighten your hair or something like this and so you know as as a black woman you know eventually you just get sick of that you're just like you know what i'm gonna just be me because you know what whether i straighten my hair or i leave it kinky someone's got something to say so just you know right. just freeing yourself to be yourself is is really the That's only right. way that women black women can take care of themselves and you know for the black men i would just say it's like just you know you're struggling too right so like just let your sisters be right so right. what what would you say to that i'm i'm just wondering what's your perspective like what would you say to the black brothers that they have so much self-hatred that they projected onto the black women too. Right. You have to, right. It, it, it's one word conditioning is, it, is there's that word conditioning again. Um, you know, uh, white America has taught us, you know, like you said, you nailed it. You hit it dead on the nail, you know, to have nice full lips. That's, you know, that's not, you know, that's a, 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 a unseemly thing or that's, you know, not that is, is ugly, you know, it's not becoming. You know, to have, you know, nice and well bodies, you know, that's not, you know, that that's fat. That's not, uh, or, or to have melanin in your skin. And, is a and bad look, thing. and not P-H-A-T, it's F-A-T. <laughs> <laughs> right. <So> you... <laughs> right, 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 absolutely. But listen, Sister Godelia, the things that I just named, you know, the, 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 the facial features, the skin texture, you know, even to have the woolly hair. Christ had woolly hair. You know, it was good enough for him, it was good enough for us. You know, in, 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 in the melanin. Don't you realize, so that's where the self-hate comes about. You know, when you're a little kid, you know, every time you open up a book, you see a white American. You know, when, when, when black women back in the 70s and 80s, when you got books like Elle and Vogue, you know, um, we had to come up with our own books because every time when you open up a book, the pinnacle, the pinnacle you know, of, of the, in the essence, Okay, a beautiful, you see a European figure. You see a, wo a woman with long hair, makeup. So as a kid, if you're not taught better and these things aren't readily available to you um, and for you to teach your kids better, what are your kids gonna grow up and think? Fictional TV. playground. It's a fictional playground and a very deceptive tool mechanism for white supremacy. When you turn on the TV, the cowboys are white. We, we all know the cowboys were originally black you know, the greatest people on this planet. Well, let, you let's know. just stop. Hold on. So tell us more about that. We know, like me and you, but everybody that's listening or watching the show does not know. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, the Cowboys, you know? Right, right. The, right. The original Buffalo soldiers, okay, were actually, they were black men. 
okay, down in the West Indies, okay, and they were black men, black cowboys were black. Uh, when Columbus, look, when Columbus came over here uh, to America, to the Americas, um, he actually had a black navigator named Pedro Nino that guided him over here. Pedro Nino and his brother were actually black men. They were black navigators, um, astrologists, you know, Benjamin Banneker, which is one of the, the greatest uh, astrologists, you know, on, on this on this planet. Uh, he built the White House. He made a farmer's uh, astrologist book to let the farmers know when it's good and when it's bad to harvest, you know, certain things. So when Hollywood was created, this is people who created a fictional stage for them to portray everybody and everything that's great. So when you turn on your TV and all of a sudden you see people psychedelia like uh, Elizabeth Taylor playing an Egyptian woman, as a kid, what are you supposed to think? Oh, Elizabeth Taylor, she's Egyptian. Oh my goodness, beautifulest woman on this planet. Now as a kid, now, you know, you're playing with Barbie dolls with the blonde hair, you know, the Barbie dolls with the, with the noses as a kid. That's called conditioning. That's called conditioning. As a kid, when you do this from a child up, you get it subconsciously in your mind, like these are the greatest people on this planet. Steve Austin, $6 million man, you know, he, he's bionic, you know, he can run 100 miles an hour. You know, where did they, you know, you got people like Hussein Bolt, you know, I mean, these guys are breaking records. But reality always shows you different. Like, wait a minute, you know, when you go back, the Egyptians didn't look like Liz Taylor. You know, you know, they were actually people, melanated people, and they were black. Um, you know, Benjamin Franklin, Plato, you know, these so it's one of the, you know, you gotta kinda look at it. And and the same goes today with Hollywood today, you know, where they make movies like free yourself, okay, and you start to learn a little bit better. Wait a minute, Socrates. And Plato, these guys were black. Wait a minute, you know, somebody lied to me. You know, um, Beethoven, okay, which is, okay, which one of the greatest composers on this planet was black man. How and why, okay, do they have these people as, as, as white people? You know, you gotta ask yourself, here's a picture of Socrates, okay? Uh, one of the greatest mathematicians, okay, on this planet. Okay, Socrates was a black man. Okay, he was a black man living in Greece. He clearly has a fro. And, and oh. th that, that's the, you know, that's the thing that I always thought was interesting, right? Because the Greeks were the slaves of the Egyptians, right? So we all know how slavery works, right? Just from what right. recently happened in the United States, right? So it only makes sense that the Greeks would be part black, right? Right, absolutely right. And they were called Hellenistic, they were called Hellenistic Greeks or they would call Hellenistic Jews because the real Jews were black as well, too. That's another thing, too. You know, so it's one of those things, like you said, self-hate. So when you're so when you're growing up and you're seeing all of this stuff, you know, uh, uh, even TV shows, Partridge Family, The Brady Bunch, uh, Little House on the Prairie, and you're seeing all of this stuff on TV and subconsciously what's that's doing that's getting into your head. I want to be like Marsha Brady. I want to be like Laura Ingalls. I want to be like the Kardashian family. But in all actuality, Sister Cordelia, actually, they're actually admiring us and admiring you, admiring how we look, the lips, the posture, the beauty of a black woman, the strength of the black man. And we have to come up with our own league called the Negro League, same as basketball. When basketball was created, okay, they didn't want certain talents in them showing them up. 
Harlem Globetrotters, you know, they tried to get into the league, bring into the league. They had a league really was called the ABA. That was really a watered down Negro league called the ABA because not too many Negroes, yes, indeed, they don't talk about the ABA too much. Okay, mm. back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, they don't talk about the ABA too much. It was really a league for black people. Okay, and so they started commercializing black people. Oh, we can make money off of black people. If we can incorporate them into the league, we can commercialize this and we can make money. More money, yeah. So right. when we come back, let's just take a break because we've given a lot for people to think about. Um, so when yes. we come back, let, let's talk about the monetization of, of uh, black people. Um, this, so I think this is a good stopping point. So we'll, we'll be right back. Okay, thank you. Replenish me. When I say that, what comes up for you? And when's the last time that you've done that? And where do you feel that in your body? Well, this is my invitation to you to explore the four steps of my Replenish Me program, where women learn how to release, restructure, refresh, and rebirth. Showing up in the world, being true to yourself. Only choosing words that honor your values and only allowing behaviors and people in your life who do the same. Connect with me by reaching out at bit.ly forward slash replenish with love and explore replenish me. And now for tonight's show. All right, so we're back. And, you know, I want to, um, I know I said I want to get into the monetization of blackness. And so there's so many different avenues, right? You know, we, we could talk about um, uh, organized sports, but I want to talk about something that people really shy away from, right? Um, we all know about the Tuskegee. Well, maybe everyone listening and watching doesn't know about this, but, you know, back in the beginning of the 20th century, there was extensive documented experimentation on black men and women. And they, those are called the Tus Tuskegee um, experiments, right? So this hasn't ended, it's still happening. And um, so we're, we're gonna talk about that in relation to your new book, cause that's really what your book is about. Is, am I right or just clarify? That's correct. Okay, so tell us more about that. Right, that's correct. Um, yeah, this uh, book I actually wrote four years ago is called um, Uncovering the Evil of America, uh, What the CDC and the FDA Failed to Tell Us. Now, um, you know, the, in the Black community, there's no surprise, you know, as far as, you know, uh, what we eat and how we're regulated and, and, and pretty much just marginalized, you know, to what we eat and, you know, what we put inside our bodies. Um, you know, there's a plethora of things, um, you know, on a low scale, you know, that is just so readily available to us that really just, you know, it, it not only kills our immune system, you know, but it's just, it, it just does us, it just doesn't benefit us any. Um, the things they put, you know, for us to eat, you know, in the black community, you know, is killing off the immune system. You know, the immune system, a lot of people don't know what the immune system is, is the, you know, a collaboration of cells, you know, in our life that fight, fights off bacteria, germs, and diseases. So whenever you have, 
a bad bacteria in your body, your immune system comes together, white blood cells, and they kind of like, you know, just throw out, you know, or heal the bacteria, the unwanted bacteria that's in your body. So to my point, you know, things like, um, let's just say Skittles, for instance, you know, uh, <laughs> right, that's the difference of Skittles, for instance. You know, um, you know, it's readily available, you know, all the time. But a lot of people don't understand, you know, what this red dye five. And remember this red dye five, okay, yellow dye five and yellow dye and, and red dye six. And what that does, that kills the zinc in your body. Um, when that's when the dye is in your body, it kills the zinc off in your body. And zinc um helps really reconstruct your nerve cells it, it it pretty much you know your your you know it helps the immune system build your smell your taste um you know and when you put the number five red dye in a red dye in your body you lose it you lose it so here comes your kid you know you give them you know five dollars they go to the store and buy candy with all kind of red dye in it which so happened the fda approves and, and here it is right here sister Cadelia. if if you have dye and you're putting it in candy and know how much black kids love sweet candy and you're approving things like Skittles, you're approving things like all kind of candy with red dye, even Mountain Dew soda, okay, which has yellow dye in it as well too. So if the FDA is approving these things to be sold within the black community, okay, so here it comes right here. You gotta, you gotta use common sense. FDA approves it. Here it is, you get sick, you go to the hospital, and here comes the CDC with a vaccine or some kind of uh, medicine to say, okay. And, and, and by the way, also, uh, yellow dye that's put in candy has also been known to cause ADHD as well, too. So that's facts. So what does the CDC do? Oh, my goodness. You know, your kids are suffering from, you know, from ADHD. You know, oh, it's causing kidney failure. Oh, my. So... You know, you have to go to the hospital, you have to get some medicine. So they work kind of hand in hand. Why would, why would the FDA approve something knowingly that it's not good for you, may cause kidney failure, may cause liver damage, may cause heart problems, you know, because they know that when they do this, it's a billion dollar industry to keep blacks in America sick and to keep individuals sick as well too. Billion dollar business billion dollars. So it's so their just job. To slow, just to slow it down, what you're saying is basically the monetization of black people is through making them consumers of <clears throat> like, first of all, making them patients that will require certain medication. And we know that uh, big pharma is not even a billion dollar industry anymore, but a trillion dollar industry. So they basically have created patients. And once you get them on the medications, they'll be on there forever. So they, they'll never, you know, stop making money. And, you know, I want to also go back to your point about the immune system. Very good point about nutrition, right? Because if you kill the good bacteria in the stomach, which is the basis of the immune system, then it's unrecoverable. And, you know, like as children, basically these dyes and ingredients, you know, the sugar, let's talk about the sugar piece of it, right? Actually eats away at your bones. So the bones can't even get to a certain level to even hold 
the the you know create the bone marrow that can support the white blood cell production in the body so it's almost like you're set up for failure right again creating more patients forever and then eating away at the brain so now not only are they patients because they're going to need medicine for just health but they'll need mental health medicine and you know have to go to mental health professionals as well wow okay right at, right you, you, let me tell you something you nailed it you hit it dead on the nail you know it's their job to keep us sick you know like you said consumers you know um it would be no hospitals you know um if it weren't for the sickness you know of, of people you know um and how they do it sister cordelia um they do it they do it through what we consume every day every day every day let me give let me give an example um even pesticide you know spray um you know you have farmers you know um that sell you know the vegetables to uh big corporations uh like walmart or you know whole foods um the pesticides they spray on the crops is made out of 30 different sprays so these sprays if they're killing off the bugs what do you think they're doing to you when you eat the food, you know, what do you think they're doing to you? You know, so you got to kind of look at it also. And people say, oh my goodness, so what are we supposed to do? We supposed to just eat nothing? No, you're supposed to actually just monitor what you put and do research on a lot of the herbs that you that you take, you know, do research because for every medication that uh, the CDC makes, um, there is a herb that can combat that and can really just you know reverse any kind of ailment that you have you have natural herbs out here like uh yucca root okay it has vitamin a b c it has calcium in there because our bodies sister cadelia our bodies naturally have magnesium our bodies have zinc you know and of course water okay in it so you know these elements that we have in our body have to be put back into our body naturally when you eat um bananas you know they, they, they're they full of potassium our body has potassium our bodies are made from the earth like i always say you got to put the earthly things back into your body to heal your body you can't go to a store and you know you're buying acetaminophen you know to cure your headache you know and then you're buying a mountain dew to, to chug it down with that's 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 double damity right there you know the acetaminophen has been known to cause kidney damage you know, um, use natural turmeric. Turmeric is very good for inflammation. It's a natural herb that you can take in a tea um, or you can just take in a pill formation. So these are some of the things that our people don't want because our taste buds and our taste palates have been conditioned as well too to accept. Everybody knows sugar is, is, is poison. You know, like, don't get me started on sugar, okay? Because like... <laughs> I mean, like I already said, you being a, a nutritionist, I, yeah. I'm sure you can relate. You know, like, first of all, like from a political standpoint, I disagree with sugar, just knowing the history of it, right? The sugar islands, because of the way, I mean, like one of the islands that my people come from is a sugar island, right? So, but like the French sugar islands are known, and it was well documented that they would just run uh, the slaves through there on 24 hour cycles. Like they would have these people working for 24 hours to, uh, to harvest the sugar cane and, 
you know, reduce it down to molasses to make the alcohol and all the things, right? But there would That's be correct. actual trenches correct. outside of the factory just to throw the bodies and put in the fresh body. So from that perspective alone, the, the easiest way, and you know, I, I do want to give a, a disclaimer. I, I have a certification in nutrition, but like none of the things that we're speaking about on the show are meant to replace, you know, uh, what your health provider would tell you. Um, I do strongly encourage, you know, buying uh, Mr. Jordan's books to find out more and, you know, also to just educate yourself on nutrition specific to your body and for your family. Um, I do want to say that. But getting back to sugar, you know, it's like um, the sugar will eat away at your bones and muscles, um, you know, and, and we talk about uh, black children also being deficient in vitamin D. And it's not only because we're not outside enough, um, but it's also because of the, the sugar, the amount of sugar that you eat. The easiest way to, re, to, to reverse all of that, right? Uh, a great source mm -hmm. of vitamin D and calcium are dark green leafy vegetables. It is also a great way to change the palate. Um, this is a technique I've used with my children. I, I had them eat dark green leafy vegetables so that they desire less sugar, right? It's just the easy, I had to recondition my palate, right? Because I, I really liked sugar. And so, you know, just <laughs> eating something, right? That it's going to do two things at once. Yes, it's going to reduce my desire for sugar and it's going to make my bones stronger. It's going to make my, my brain stronger and my muscles stronger. And, and also, you know, to your point about herbs, right? So pharmaceuticals, let's be clear, they are taking the active ingredients of, um, of herbs, basically. They're just taking out the, the pieces of the herb that are active, right? That, that actually help you do something. However, in order for it to, to be what, what makes the body happy, the body needs the whole herb, right? So it doesn't just need the active ingredients, it needs the whole herb. So, um, it, but the, unfortunately, right, um, we've been conditioned to want everything instantly. So yes, the medicine works a lot faster than herbs. Yes, it's gonna take about probably two weeks of taking an herb to get the same response that you would get in two minutes from taking a medicine. However, the long-term effects you know, of having the herb, you know, you'll be healthier and stronger for longer. Taking the medicine, you, you know, there are, there's long disclaimers, right? <laughs> you know, there are side effects of just extracting what's necessary, so. Right, you hit it, you, you nailed it. And, and that's funny, um, two words you use that, that, that uh, spark me, side effects. And, and I use that word, um, when I'm talking about this in particular, um, herbs have no side effects. Herbs have no side effects. They have never been known to have any side effects. Um, but when you take Tylenol, uh, you, you know, the acetaminophen, um, they're, known, they're known to cause addiction. They're known to cause liver damage. Um, they're known to speed up your heart rate. So with that right there, you got to kind of look at it. Matter of fact, getting, skipping over that, uh, Look at the Tuskegee experiment. Um, 
the only thing they had to do was actually the penicillin plant been here on this earth. The penicillin plant was here when the, when the natives were here. So you had a couple of activists, um, the, the key experiments from, um, it was from 1932 to 1972. It was, it was 40 years of anyone's not familiar with it. It was a 40 year period, okay, when the CDC gave permission to the public health service to go down to Alabama and inject okay syphilis into black men now that died from similar they say similar causes so the penicillin plant as we know is a natural herb that actually kills okay most diseases okay um i think in the 1932 you had this um scientist that made it into a a form of medication of liquid medication but the penicillin plant been here since the, the natives were here and penicillin knocks syphilis right on out, knock it right on out. Don't you know that the CDC, don't you know the public health service, don't you know they denied him entrance into Alabama and they said, no, that's okay. What we're using is gonna work, okay? And they had the black people come back to the clinics and injecting them with more stuff that, you know, that didn't help them at all. And, you know, the only thing they needed, Philip Randolph said, listen, the only thing, penicillin, knocked that right out. They rejected them. They rejected them. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do want to um, close out this section just talking about, you know, so we see the history of the conditioning, like just the emotional and mental conditioning. And then we see the consumerism conditioning. And then also, um, moving us away from our natural um, medicines. Because a, a, one thing we didn't talk about is a lot, of, um, a lot of the enslaved were also, you know, medicine people, right? So they, they knew, they had a history of knowing the herbs and knowing the earth and what to use to heal themselves. But in the stripping away from the culture and the knowledge you know, this is, you know, the reconditioning now came where, oh, you know, that's ancient, that's not going to work, you need to use medicine, and oh, that food, you don't want to eat that food, which, you know, a lot of the foods were healing foods, you eat them with the season of harvest and everything like that, you know, like the, the time of the year that you're going to need more vitamin C and, uh, or yeah, vitamin C, vitamin D, those are the foods that we knew to eat but we weren't even allowed to eat those foods, you know? So over a period of years, you know, all of that knowledge was taken away from us. But um, I just wanna, you know, close out this section, just recognizing that while those were the, the issues and this is the conditioning that's been happening, I wanna go into the next section talking about the healing that is happening and the regaining of knowledge you know, starting with all the books that you've written and how, you know, I feel like there's like a, a black renaissance, if you will, happening. Um, right. So we're, we're going, we're getting back in touch with our ancient traditions and we're learning where we came from and who we are. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that. All right. Yes. Yes, we will. I was born for this. I 
I've been marked to be countercultural, proclaiming spirit fire, 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 fire. over everything. It is a blessing to be a woman with a wild mind to expand past popular thought. I'm awakening from the cultural hypnosis and mind controlling ideologies of the self, spirit, and what's real about life. free to be show I you know I want us to free ourselves to be ourselves and in that freedom we are healing ourselves so we've talked a lot about the pain of you know systemic racism in America and the you know how it has even been monetized right the suffering of black people has been monetized but I do want to talk about the the new black renaissance with people like um, Mr. Jordan's books, you know, what he's bringing to light and what people can learn. So if you can just walk us through um, each of your books and, you know, what we can, the knowledge we can gain so that we can work towards our healing, that would be great. Great. Thank you. Hey, listen, I want to share one book in particular with you. This was my, actually, this was my first book that I wrote right here is called Not Just a Coincidence, uh, What Pastors and Leaders Fail to Tell You. Um, I literally only have one copy. This book, I think, sold probably close to maybe 10,000 copies, if not more. The strange thing is, Sister Cordelia, this book tells you and explains to you, you know, the things that happen to us as a people is not a coincidence. And, um, and oddly enough, uh, Amazon doesn't, they, they refuse to put this back in their catalog. Go figure. They just refuse to put this back in their catalog. Um, I think this is the last surviving copy. <laughs> maybe that I have. I think it's maybe the last surviving copy that I have. Um, you know, like I said, you know, go, go, go figure, you know, go, go figure. Um, I'm not, it's not a shadow, is it? Yeah, I okay. actually can't and, see that title, but you know what I'll do if you can give me the title of each book, I, I can also put that in the show notes. So, um, and okay. if, if there is a way to access it, just give me the link. Or if you have them all on your website, even I can do that. So. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. All right, let me go to the next one. Okay. Um, this particular book right here is called um, 500 Years of Deception of America. Um, of American Deception. Um, this book pretty much journeys you through the 14th century, which is known as the Italian Renaissance, um, where you had um, Italian painters, sculptors, uh, guys like, of course, Rembrandt, uh, Michelangelo, uh, Leonardo da Vinci was paid a commission from the popes during the 1400s to actually reconstruct and rebuild and redo and to actually take from all the original dark art and actually paint them white. Um, these guys were experts at that, you know, they were experts at that. They took, you know, every, you know, painting, you know, in, in you know, the black, you know, painting Rome and Jerusalem and Africa, um, you know, with the permission of the uh, popes 
and they just pretty much just reconstructed everything. Because Renaissance, the word Renaissance means to renew and to rebuild. Um, prior to the 1400s, there's very little known, really, um, white art around. So that's another thing also. They did that also for white supremacy as well, too. Um, Rembrandt, um, even when you you get Rembrandt toothpaste, the right in your face, Rembrandt is known for what? For whitening your teeth. And that's exactly what the artist Rembrandt did in the 1400s. He whitewashed all the dark um, This book right here, Greatest Show on Earth, this book actually is about uh, what we spoke about today, the conditioning and actually the self-hate um, that's amongst Black people. How did it start? Um, how did we get to the position that we're at? And how did, you know, how did, you know, Black women go from their natural hair to wearing orange hair? Um, how did they go from, you know, uh, 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 wearing their natural hair to using chemicals, you know, to straighten their hair, which has been known, okay, to do a plethora of damage, you know, to your roots, to your skull, um, to your natural roots, your hair. You know, nobody can be you but you. Um, this book right here is called The Holiday Hustle, um, Controlling the Black Mind and Finances. This book tells you all about, you know, uh, what has been uh, put before us, you know, um, you know, whether it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, whether it's uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was a, one of the most murderous days, you know, for the North American, for the natives which are known as the Pico Indians. Um, a guy by the name of um, John uh, Winthrop, okay, waged war, okay, on the Pico Indians, which was known as the Pico Massacre. And uh, what happened as a result of that, you know, they celebrated by making the North American Indians make turkeys and, you know, they kicked the Indian chiefs' heads around. And that's how the game soccer actually was born. So when you, when you actually are celebrating um, that day, Thanksgiving, you think about it, you know, the turkey represents the body of North American Indians, the stuffing represents the guts that they was smashing, the soldiers were smashing with their feet. And the cranberry sauce represents the blood that was spilled. So, you know, you think about that next time when you, um, you know, when you, when you got a slice of turkey, cranberry sauce and stuffing on your plate. So not only that, it's just the holidays across the board, you know, um, you know, and this book specifically breaks down the calendar days and the holidays you know, that are put forth to us here by, by America. What, which, um, that goes, what's like the I name said, of that from, book? The, the one about the holidays? Uh, the, name of this book, the name of this book is called The Holiday Hustle, okay. Controlling the Black Mind and Finances. And also it shows uh, how much of a commodity, a financial commodity that our people are um, to the American, um, to the American corporations. Um, you know how people spend over, you know, it was reported back in 2018. Um, I don't think the 19 reports have gotten out, but I know 2018. Don't you know how people spent over $1.2 trillion during the month of December? This is the one that I just wrote is called, Oh Say Can You See? The Unmentioned History of Terrorism, okay, um, in America, on Blacks in America. Um, this book pretty much, um, you know, tells you about, um, unmentioned events, okay, that goes on, that has went on since we've been over here in slavery, you know, the experimental medications, you know, like the CD experiment, um, you know, the things that are levied on us, the things that they don't want to talk about, such as, look, it's one thing that comes to mind, it's one thing that comes to mind, it's two things that come to mind, the Philadelphia bombing, okay, that happened, I think, back in 1985, um, when you had the uh, Black move, 
a group over in Philadelphia and you had the United States government bomb, okay, a black neighborhood, okay, in Philadelphia. I think maybe, I think it was, I think 11 people were murdered, babies and, you know, the neighborhood was just totally annihilated, 12 blocks, just totally annihilated. No one wants to talk about that, okay? No one wants to talk about back uh, in 1863 when the emancipation was signed, Sister Cordelia, um, that so-called free black Americans off of slave plantations speeded up two years later, 1865, the KKK was formed up. Now, here's where I'm going with this right here. 1863, the emancipation was signed. Free the slaves, go, you're free, go. 1865, the KKK was formed up two years later. So the KKK originally, okay, was formed up as a policing, as a policing group, okay, to actually capture slaves and bring them back on work farms. A lot of people don't understand this. One particular thing comes out to mind, okay, in Mississippi, it was a neighborhood called the Devil's Punch Bowl. And here's how this worked right here. 1963, when it was the Civil War, the Confederates against the North, um, you had the Confederate armies, okay, in Mississippi that rounded up over 20,000 slaves, okay, over 20,000 so-called free slaves in Mississippi that was just hanging around. You know, they were on the slave farm, you know, they had nowhere to go, okay, they were just hanging around, but they were free. So the Confederate soldiers in 1865 they rounded up, okay, over 20,000 black people and forced them back into black slave labor concentration camps. There were more, there were more black slave concentration camps here in America. It is it, 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 slavery after slavery. It was more concentration camps here, black concentration work camps here in America than the entire rule of Hitler during the time of Germany. And that's something that they don't, they fail to talk about. You mentioned one thing. You said a pit was dug on the islands, okay, during the time when they was making sugar cane. The same exact thing happened in Mississippi during the time of the Devil's Punch Bowl. They had work pits, and, and mysteriously enough, you know, they worked, you know, the kids and the women, and they dug a, a, a pit, and they had a cliff, where mysteriously enough, after a year, over 20,000 bodies just disappeared, and they were found over the cliff uh, of Mississippi. Look it up, Devil's Punch Bowl. That's something that they don't never talk about. That's a terroristic act. 20,000 black people murdered, work, literally worked to death, and they don't want to teach the kids about this in history. They don't, you know, they, the only thing they can show is Martin Luther King marching to Washington and, and giving a speech so I have a dream, I have a dream, I have a dream. You know, and they want our people just to continue to march today and, you know, hold candles and go back home and they look on TV, worst scenarios are happening. You know, um, when does it end? When does it end, Sister Cordelia? When yeah. does it end? You know, you make me think, um, I actually wrote an article this year called when, does, when Will the Killing End and the Healing Begin? You know, because um, is, it's not like, um, you know, I, let's, before I get to that, let me just say this word terrorism, um, I think it's interesting. One thing we know in psychology, right, is people will project things that they're guilty of, right? So Absolutely. it's interesting who the terrorists have been identified as, right? Terrorists are usually black men, Muslim men, um, people of color. 
And it's Absolutely. interesting, like if you actually look at human history at you know, the last five centuries, most of the terrorist acts against humanity have been committed by white men only. And Absolutely. I'm not diminishing things that may have been done by, you know, small uh, areas of, you know, people of color that may have done things, but let's just be clear. In those cases, you know, they were political puppets. You know, they're right. in, on the Gold Coast, um, it's called, um, yeah, the Gold Coast in Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, most of the recent dictators were controlled by France, right? Um, and right. we don't even have to go to Africa to see it, but I mean, like around the world and within the United States, a lot of the politicians, you know, who have perpetuated crimes against their own people were puppets, political puppets. So we can cite black on black crime, but is it really, right? Because it's the psychology of terrorism um, that is really controlling the behaviors of humans. So in order to bring ourselves to healing, we have to stop uh, the system that allows this kind of thing to perpetuate, you know? Um, and the, the way to- Who they want to stop it? Well, it's not about what they want. There are more of us than there are of them, right? Because Bingo. it's only Bingo. really the 1% that's running the show. But right. That means there's 99% of humanity and, you know, we're sheeple basically because we're not educating ourselves. So as long as you're not educated, then you're not going to do anything about it because it's not happening because you don't know. Right. But now, you know, the great thing about 2020 is people, you know, really got a better understanding of real history. Um, Absolutely. Not just American history, but around the world. And um, I think people are moving away from being sheeple and more towards being people. And that's where that's it begins. Right. Once we embrace our humanity, that's the first step. Now the, the challenge is to see other human beings as human also, right? And right. so this is where I talk about, um, you know, one thing I started talking about in 2020 was this concept of allyship. And that's just having the courage to stand up for your fellow human so that the healing can begin. So I, you know, I really thank you for, for coming on the show. I, you know, the hey, freedom thank you for having me. Yeah, the great thing about, you know, naming, renaming my podcast Free to Be is like, I'm free to talk about all the stuff that I want to talk about that may be viewed as controversial, but, you know, controversial is kind of relative. It depends right. on what you're afraid to talk about, right? What, what scares you shitless. And for you, you it'll be controversial. For go. me, it's just something that I think about sometimes and I wanted to have this conversation. So, right. and if we don't have the conversations, i.e. if we don't look into and, and actually acknowledge and feel our deepest and darkest emotions, we can't show up powerfully. We can't show Absolutely. up powerfully for ourselves. We can't show up powerfully for humanity and we will never heal and we'll always perpetuate a system that will terrorize other human beings. And that's what we don't want. And I don't believe in that. So I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge, sharing your time Thank you for and um, you know, all the research all that went time. into all your books. So 
Thank you so much. And for those of you who um, are watching or listening and have you know, received value, there's two things I'm gonna call you to do. First of all, buy Frank Zarquan Jordan's books. Get more education, right? And if the things that we talked about today were terrifying, you are mad, I welcome your hate mail. And, but all the same, subscribe to my podcast <laughs> and share this because sharing is loving. It's, it's an act of love towards yourself, towards other humans, and it works you know, in your favor as far as beginning the healing with yourself. So thank you and good night. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The Free to Be Show is sponsored by Replenish Me Membership. Show up powerfully. With monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions, you can replenish online and relieve your stress and resolve your issues. Whether you are trying to recharge your entire staff or just seeking a community of support, empower yourself today with the Replenish Me membership. And now for tonight's show.